0: Painter Marketing Pros, and APC.
1: Welcome to the Women in Paint podcast. I am your host, Michael Cheney. The owner of No Drip Painting, where we are changing lives through paint. And Ashley, I see you smiling. I know it's because we've got Beyonce with us, uh, at I least in spirit, dance. right? You you can't you can't help it when Beyonce comes on. Um, Ashley Boyd, she is located in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, she is a professional counselor, and I got the honor of hearing her present at the recent, actually, first ever Women in Paint conference. So, Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to to dig in here with you. So
2: good to be here. So, so good.
1: Yes. Um. So, listen, you just presented at the Women in Paint, uh, you know, first ever event we had. And before we hopped on here, you kind of gave me a synopsis of how you view the women in paint and kind of what you said about them. You, you gave some, some great compliments in terms of what type of, of women we are, you know, we're in this male dominated industry. Um, Can you just kind of maybe share your experience so far with maybe kind of the group and kind of uh, share what, you know, the amazing compliment you just mentioned a few moments ago. Absolutely. Um, So I had the privilege of
2: being with a group of a room full of women that are just, gifted and so intelligent, um, just powerhouse women. And, um, the cool thing about that is, you know, when we're gifted is we have the ability to say yes to a lot of things because we can. And I had the honor of being able to talk about boundaries and the things that um, are important to say yes to and no to. And if you haven't, I'm just going to give a plug, you know, I'm just doing this because I loved being there as if you did not go to that conference, the topics and the vulnerability and the things that were spoken about were so beautiful. It was just orchestrated. Um, I wish I could have been there um, and, and I was able to speak, but I wasn't able to attend. So if you were not able to go, I'd highly, highly recommend going. Um, yeah. What an amazing group of women.
1: It's true. And you know, one reason I wanted you to recap that for us, you know, as kind of an outsider, someone who's not in the industry, is that our industry often kind of gets um, the shaft because people on the outside think that it's just an industry made up of people who might not be educated, right? Because we think, you know, we think of painters, and sometimes they're thought of not having a real craft or skill, and no one really plans to be a painter. But the truth is, what you just said is that we're made up of, um, you know, this group, these group of people who are really trying to do something special under the name of paint. Yeah. And uh, the event that you had was specific to women, and you got to kind of share um, some. Uh, just valuable information with us. So you kind of talked about it here briefly, boundaries and being able to say yes, or or choosing to say yes and choosing to say no. Can you kind of give me an overview of of what that means to you and what you help your clients with?
2: Sure. Um, You know, and this is something that um, as kids, we learn really early on in family systems. We learn what it's okay to say no to, if it's okay to say no if we you know, were raised, a lot of us to say yes, if it's asked of you in the home, you say yes, whether you want to or not. And this grows into friendships and relationships and ultimately it grows into our professional life. And so, um, you know, what I find is the more high functioning and gifted someone is, sometimes it becomes more difficult to say no. Again, like I said, because we can do it. Oftentimes we feel like we should do it. Mm-hmm. And so. Part of what I work with is what when when internally we have inside of us, there's a part of us that pushes pause and says, I don't think I have the time or the resources, the energy to do this. And we say yes anyway. We wind up in a problematic situation down the road because we don't have any gas in the tank to keep going. Mm -hmm. And then we wind up exhausted and oftentimes resentful. So what I do is I help clients know what is congruency between the inside of me that says yes and the outside. And if inside is no, the courage to say no on the outside. Um, so, I mean, boundaries, it's, it is is a simple and not easy process of knowing what is true about us and then having the courage to engage in our workplace and relationships like that.
1: Yeah. And you know what I've learned, Ashley, is you know, being an entrepreneur, and I know you're a business owner, um, is that when you struggle with some of these things, right? If if you are a yes person, uh, lo and behold, that shows up in your business. You then build a business that mm-hmm. is a reflection of your own boundaries. You know, your own anxiety. Uh, yes. You know, if you haven't really jumped in and have done the deep work on a personal level, the things you struggle with show up in your business.
2: Yeah, absolutely they do. And then you wind up, you know, one of the questions, actually it was one of the most, um, I've been thinking about this question that a woman at the conference asked, which is how are we to show up with excellence where there's this message of do your best, strive, sharpen yourself, um, show up with excellence. How do we do that? And is that competing with this message of self-care and, um, you know, having a culture at work where we do have work-life boundary. And then how do those two, did they come in opposition of one another? And what I would say is, is that I don't think that we can professionally do things with excellence unless we have boundaries because we show up exhausted. And sometimes depending on what your stance is, whenever you run out of gas. For me, it's, I show up snippy mm-hmm. and I am not patient and I don't have enough gas to be slow and thoughtful about the decisions that I make. So yeah, it does, it does wind up becoming problematic in, in the workplace. Um, and then it trickles yeah. down to business owners. Then it trickles down to the people that work with us for us and the people that we work for.
1: That's right. Um, you know, you really have to have a lot of self-awareness or figure out how to develop the self-awareness to, to figure out even when your tank is on empty. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, you, you brought up a great point there. Um, you used kind of the analogy about hurt versus harm. Mm -hmm. And when you're setting boundaries, how you can use that to determine, uh, you know, is this, should I be doing this? And and it, it can, I think it can give some comfort when you're trying to make those dif- difficult decisions when setting boundaries. Can you explain the hurt versus harm uh, yes. that, that you presented us with?
2: Sure. Um, one of the questions that is often, um, are, are the concern when we begin setting boundaries and knowing what our limits are is, is this unkind to the other person? Is this unkind and It feels punishing. And what I would say is is that when someone knows what our limit is, they know that they can trust us too. So if I say, no, I can't, that means when I say, yes, I can, you can trust my yes. And sometimes someone may ask something of us and we say, you know what, I really wish I could, but I can't. And they may experience some disappointment or hurt, but that is different than harming someone. Actually, the the irony behind all this is it kind of boundaries flips this on its head, because if we say yes, and we don't have the inside of us says no, and we don't have the resources to do it, that's actually when we wind up harming somebody. Right. Um, And so hurt is different than than harm. Hurt is a feeling that relates to disappointment or I wish that you could or but harm is When we attempt to do something, when there's not, when we don't have the resources to do it, whether it's have a conversation, show up an hour extra at work. And sometimes we do have gas in the tank to do that. And we say, yeah, I can do that. But when we attempt to do it, when we don't have the resources, that's when we wind up harming people. The other thing is, is that this is a good boundary quote that has been important for me is... Somebody else's emergency does not, like if, if somebody, because a lot of times people will say, this is a, this is an emergency. The Uh truth is it's not really an emergency. And because there's a lack of preparation or something on your part doesn't, your emergency does not constitute a need for me to say yes to it. It's okay to say, you know what? I hear you. I'm going to get to that tomorrow.
1: Oh, well, wow. Yes. You know what? We use that uh, in my business all the time. And our kind of take on it is uh, your poor planning doesn't yes. constitute an emergency for me. Right. Like now, yes. if we have the capacity to help you get through it, by all means, we will. And this is this happens a lot with commerce. You know, uh, everybody has a paint emergency. Yeah. Um, and and, you know, we work with contractors and and things aren't planned well. And we we have figured out how to draw strict boundaries, uh, because when we don't draw those boundaries, it affects quality. It affects, uh, you know, if if my project manager is running around with their hair on fire, they're not going to show up to manage the project well either. Right. So um, I love that you just said that that's right in line with um, kind of a, a phrase that we use often. Um, so I love that. The other thing that when you're saying all this about hurt versus harm, you can also be harming yourself if you're not right. So it's not even just, okay, are you harming the other person, but are you doing harm to yourself? And I think sometimes we, we don't look at it through that lens because we don't often put ourselves first when we might need to.
2: Absolutely. Which, which goes into the concept of securing your air mask first. So Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know when we, when we secure our air mask first, then we're able to do the things that we need to do to show up and have high quality and to be able to help the people that are, that we're working with. If we're not securing our air mask, it's like the whole, the whole ship is going to go down. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, and, and this is part of our culture is that we separate what happens up here with the rest of our body. And so Our will and our mind can say, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then at some point, what happens is things in our body start deteriorating, whether it's um, stress is causing physical issues or sleep deprivation or anxiety or depression. Like we, we are whole holistic beings. And so the higher, this is why I say the higher functioning we are, sometimes our brain can say, push through, we can do this. But it does eventually start harming us, you know, right. relationally, in lots and lots of different areas.
1: Absolutely. Can, can we talk about uh, nervous system regulation and what all that means? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You, you you touched on it, um, and and I kind of even throw this into the self care category. I know self care is kind of like this buzzword now. And and when I started learning about self care, I was like, okay, I need to get a massage every so often, right? I didn't understand what self care. But now I understand a little bit more about nervous system and how you can take care of your nervous system. Can you kind of share your insight on that topic?
2: Yeah. And, and gosh, I wish we had so much time because there's this whole, like when we talk about our brains, there's this part of our brain that's called the amygdala. And the amygdala is the part of our brain that is the smoke detector. And when we push and push and push and push, what happens is that part of our brain is so sensitive that it feels like everything that the smoke detector says, oh, there's smoke. Sometimes that could be there's cookies burning in the stove, or it could be the house is burning down. When we, when we push ourselves too much, that amygdala reads everything as the house is burning down. And so then what happens with our nervous system is it's like, it fries our nervous system. We're on high alert. We're hypervigilant. And what, and there's this thing called the window of tolerance, which is if we are staying here, which is basically like we're getting good sleep, um, you know, relationally we're well balanced, professionally we're well balanced, we're within our window of tolerance, then we are able to make good decisions and we're operating from this part of our brain rather than the survivor part of our brain when we are pushing ourselves too hard and we're outside of our window, one of two things happens. We either go into fight, flight, well, three things, fight, flight, or freeze. And the fight part of us is the part that's sitting on the edge of our seat, just waiting for the next shoe to drop or the rug to get pulled out. And we fry, we literally fry our nervous system.
1: Yeah.
2: Is it's a really sad way to live to not be settled, grounded, able to be present in our body. And so if we are outside of our window of tolerance, we're going to wind up in one of those survival states.
1: Right. Is there, this might be a difficult or even unfair question on some level, but if you're recognizing those things about yourself, right? So it requires this level of self-awareness. And if you're in a moment where you're maybe... in in the fight stage. Mm -hmm. What do you do in that? Is there something you can do in that moment? What, what, what do you tell your clients? And then what do you do ahead of time to try and, you know, not get to this space? Beautiful. So some of it is the day in and day
2: out work of even if we don't feel like we're outside of our window, we are still having certain practices that keep us in our window. We don't want to get to where we're at the very edge like where we, there's no margin. And some of that, like for me, it is, you know, I have readings and meditation that I do in the morning. I have, I have to exercise every single day. I have to have some form of play in my day because that's, that's super important for all of us, for me in particular, the way I'm geared to have some sort of play. Um, It's making sure that I eat, you know, relatively healthy and you know, and in normal times during the day, we can push through that. It's like, I don't have time mm-hmm. for lunch. And then at three o'clock we wind up exhausted and angry. Um, so those are the things that we do. They're practices that we incorporate no matter what in the moment. I think that's a great question. First of all, we have to be in touch with our body. And when we are starting to feel dysregulated and um, It can show up as I'm feeling hot on the inside or my breathing is getting shallow, or I can feel my chest tightening or my stomach feels off. The best thing we can do is push pause. That is the best. If we try to push through that, that's when we start winding up harming self or others. So I say to my clients, read your body, push pause. And then in that moment, you, you can even say, Hey, can I take just a minute and you can go back to your office, get in your car and start doing five minutes of really deep breathing. When we breathe, it is the most simple way to tell our nervous system. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Take a walk, a five minute walk. There's something about our feet Uh hitting the ground that is, it does some bilateral stimulation that tells us again, we're okay. I have a whole slew of like, grounding techniques oils that Mm -hmm. i will oil on my hand and breathe for just a minute and you can start to feel your heart rate settling your blood pressure is going down you can actually if you practice this you can feel it it's the coolest thing to realize that you have agency over our bodies to some extent
1: yeah i love that because everything you gave is super practical and doesn't require much right um but no, I love that. And and you know what, I think us, us understanding that we do have control over these things. Um, because, you know, when we're just in the rat race of life and doing the every day, I think it is very easy to forget that we actually do have the control. And instead, we're just managing our reaction instead of using some of these practical, you know, things that you just mentioned that we could do to really change our life. Yeah.
2: And it's, it it not only changes that particular moment or interaction, but the more we do that, we are continuing to settle our nervous system so that we don't get fried, basically. I mean, our brains are pouring coffee on a computer. That's what we're doing when we try to ask more of ourselves than we are capable of doing. It's like, I just tried it. But the cool thing is we can go in and clean and,
1: and do some repair. It's the beautiful thing about our bodies and brains. I love it. Um, What about like doing some of this healing work? Is it uh, a solo journey? Is it, or, you know, what if you're in a relationship? What if you're married? Like, how do you navigate this? Um, Can you heal in a relationship? Like what's your take on, on these things?
2: Well, I think that it goes back to securing your air mask first. And I think that um, we are, we are relational beings and we are not meant to do this journey alone. And I think one of the, the bravest things that we can do is say, I need help. But the truth is we all need help. We all need somebody in it with us. And so, you know, whether it's going to a counselor or a therapist, I mean, I've, I could just speak for myself. I've done a lot of therapy. I've done hours of training with breath work and body work and acupuncture and Qigong and different, um, you know, alternative medicines that, Mm -hmm. that I, that I can speak to and say, it has helped settle my nervous system, which then when that happens, all of these other things physically start to get back online. Um, but I I don't, I'm not a professional and, you know, you can't perform acupuncture on yourself. You got to go to someone mm-hmm. who knows what they're doing. So I think, I think asking for help is huge. And when you say in the context of relationship, but tell me a little bit more what you mean by that.
1: Well, it's really based on a conversation I got into over the weekend. Um, and, you know, I think some folks find it hard to do some of this deep work Say you're married. you're, you're I don't know the scenario you're married twenty years. you you recognize that there's a deeper space within you you need to tap into. You recognize that there's some healing. and the the response that I had gotten from a friend is that it's so difficult to do that when you're in a relationship, right? People sometimes view this healing as it's a solo journey. You've got to spend time by yourself because, you know, we, we see a lot of people on Instagram, a lot of therapists saying how important it is to get alone time, which I fully believe, you know, and for me, alone time is, is sacred because I'm really an introvert. Yes. When I do things like this, I have to have my shutdown time. Uh, but the conversation I'd gotten into was around how do you get alone time? If, if, if it's so sacred to have these things, how do you do that? we've got, you know, a relationship, kids and all the things, how do you tune out that noise to try and find this, this inner peace and and work on this?
2: Yeah. And, and I think it's a balance because there's this, you know, there's, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but there's thing, this thing called self-regulation and this thing called co-regulation and self-regulation is what do I participate in in and of myself that helps settle my nervous system. So self-regulation would be breathing. It would be walking alone. It would be taking some time to read. It's the things you do alone. Co-regulation is super important too because we are, like I said, we're relational beings. When we are with somebody who is safe and that we're connected and attached to and provides comfort, we can co-regulate with that person. If they are, if their nervous system is settled, we actually sync up. That's why mm. I love being in the room with my clients. And I know that telehealth is great. And during the pandemic, it was a wonderful thing. But if I'm regulated and I'm in the room with my client and they come in just like a cat thrown in a bathtub, I just me being settled helps to settle. Yeah. So there's this balance between co-regulation and, self, and uh, self-regulation. And we need both.
1: That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about vulnerability. Um, When you gave your presentation, someone asked a question, I can't remember exactly what it what it was. But the the thing I remember, uh, what crossed my mind was vulnerability, you know, comes back to how do we view it? Are we viewing it as a weakness? Are we viewing it as a strength? And depending on which lens you're looking through, then uh, it affects your relationship with vulnerability. What, what, do you, what do you feel about vulnerability? What do you teach your clients? Um, and, and how do you become more vulnerable?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, what I'd say about vulnerability is that I think it is one of the most beautiful things that we can step into with safe people. So I think that the, that the concept of safety is important. Nobody is perfectly safe. Like we have the capability of hurting each other and, but harming each other. But the truth is, is that there are people who will take your vulnerability and tend to it with kindness and love and compassion and to say, because you're vulnerable, I feel more connected to you. Vulnerability actually produces connection. And what we long for as humans is intimacy and connection and relationship. And so if we don't have vulnerability, basically we're side-swiping connection. Mm-hmm. That I do think the important part is that we attempt to do vulnerability with people that are relatively safe. Like because we're taking this precious thing and we're saying, I want to show this to you. Can you can you say I get it? Can you say I've been there? And if somebody hasn't practiced vulnerability in their own life, they're not, they can't do that. But I think it is strength and it is the most precious thing that we can step into and to realize we're not alone and we're human. Like we, we have limitations, we have strengths and we have weaknesses. And oftentimes our strengths and weaknesses are the, are the opposite side of the same coin. It's like, oh, the strength, whether it be I'm a I'm a highly functioning person, that's the strength. The other side is, and I don't know how I I push too far <laughs> to set down. Right. right. But vulnerability is to being able to say that.
1: That's right. Um, how, how do you balance uh when you're in a leadership role? Like right, you're a business owner, I've I've got a team. Um, obviously you know, I'm on I, I believe vulnerability is a strength. And mm-hmm. and I think when I've had the courage to be vulnerable, it does uh, attract the people that I want in my life, right. But as a business owner, as a leader, how do you what's the balance look like, you know, you don't maybe necessarily want to divulge everything that might not, uh, you know, be relevant. And you also want to feel like you're still, um, you know, the one in charge for, for lack of better words, how do you lead with vulnerability? What does that look like to you?
2: Yeah, that is a great question. You know, in my profession, it's a little bit different because um, my goal is to to give my clients the majority of the airtime. And so for me, it's like if if I'm deciding about self-disclosure, like what part of me will Mm -hmm. I share and how much will I share? It's usually like I'm doing this because it is in the best interest of my client. I'm not doing it for me or so that, um, you know, this person across from me will tend to me. It's like, I'm doing this because I want them to know I've been there and I'm human and it's in the best interest of my client. It's a little different. um, You have a little more freedom and flexibility because the nature of your relationship is a little more reciprocal. Sure. Um, I think it's knowing what your goal is, the things that you're going to share with the people you work with are most likely going to be a little different than the things you share with the people and your, your best friends in your inner circle.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But there's a way in which we can, we can share without going into all
1: of the details. Does that make sense? Like It does. And actually, I think even the way you presented that um, by showing that what you might share to your, with your clients, you want it to have an impact um, in, in, in some sort of positive way. Right. Yes. Um, and I, and I think actually that is kind of a good takeaway for even being a leader is that it is okay to share. Um, but like you said, what is the purpose? What is the goal that you're trying? Is it to show that you're human and you want to connect? Um, is yeah. it to show that, you know, you have a soft, soft spot for a, a certain group of people or what have you. Um, but I do think that even the way you frame that, at least it helps me Uh, kind of figure out what that boundary might be when wanting to share things with my team. I think it comes back to what's the purpose, what's the goal? um, And still, is it a safe place to do that, right? Right. Yes.
2: And then it's, you know, it's a, it's a little more complicated because you, you do have a personal relationship with the people that you work with, and you also have a professional relationship. So, you want to show your humanity. And also at the same time, you're a leader and it, it gets tricky, but I, I do yeah. think that we can't present as if we're perfect and have it all together because that's right. first of all, it's not true. Right. And also it doesn't leave any room for somebody else to show up with, with vulnerability or any sort of
1: weakness. And that's right. That's right. Well, I'll tell you what, I told you this 30 minutes was going to go fast and it did. So, but I do, I do have one last question for you. I ask everybody this, um, what does it look like for you to take care of yourself? Right. We've talked a little bit about self-care. How do you take care of yourself? What does that look like so that you can show up ready for your clients every day that you can show up on this podcast and give us all this great information? What does it look like for you to take care of Ashley?
2: Oh, gosh. This ha- is the vulnerability piece no, we just I have,
1: talked about,
2: right? I have a lot of things. So, you know, there's I, I, the way that I think about myself is um, and, and the way I think about the way we operate is there's this part of us that needs to be intellectually stimulated, relationally connected, um, physically well. Um, and to some degree, you know, and spirituality looks different for all people but to have some sort of meaning and connection with something that's bigger than myself. And so I, I, I practice those things every day. I mean, I carve out, I have a morning time where I'm like, I do my reading, I do my breathing and I do my freaking puzzles. I do Wordle. I do Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's runs in my family. And I'm like, I've got to, I've got to do what I got to do, take care of myself. So I I know this sounds ridiculous, but I really do. I have... Mm -hmm crossword puzzles. So I do that in the morning. Every day, I have some sort of physical something. I've gotten really into pickleball, which if you do, you're going to become an addiction. And then you're going to be like, (laughs) how can I make pickleball my profession? I play with the same four women who are freaking awesome. And um, we play, you know, at least I play three to four times a week. So I'm exercising regularly and then I've got my inner circle people that I know, you know, I'm an introvert too. Sometimes I'm lonely for myself and I know, and then that, and that I'm like, I got to spend some time just with me. And sometimes I'm lonely for my people. Okay. And when I am, I'm going to say, can we have a girls night? Can we have, um, so at the, and, and these things are really non-negotiable for me. Right. When I'm super fried, I've got my professionals I'm going to. Like, Mm -hmm. does that make sense? Like I I know I know who I'm going to. Um for body work. Um, I know who I'm going to. I do yoga too. That's a huge Mm -hmm. uh huge thing for me. It's it's a lot of sprinkling in, but it's non-negotiable. Um
1: Yeah. I I love that. Um I I'm not gonna lie, you're inspiring me to play pickleball. Oh my gosh, you talked about it at at the women in pain event. And I can't stop thinking about it. You know, I I was an athlete at one point in my life. So I think maybe I'll be hitting the pickleball court soon. You've convinced me. Please come to Nashville and play with my (laughs) group. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh my gosh,
2: you would love them so much. We laugh and laugh and laugh. I mean, it is like the highlight of my day. It's, it's, it's just the best. So yes. I
1: absolutely love it. Okay. Well, Ashley, listen, thank you so much for joining me. I wish I had so much more time with you. I might be making a trip to Nashville. Who knows? Um, if someone wants to contact you, are you? You know, do you? What? How can we contact you? Can we follow you on? You know, social media. I don't know. You tell me.
2: So, ironically, one of my self-care things is I don't do social media, which mm. <laughs> I start, well, long, a long, long time. I Realized this is not going to be good for my time management nor my mental health, so I don't do social media. Um, but yes, I have a website which is yeah. um, ashleyboydcounseling dot com, and um, if you are looking for a therapist, if you need, if you if you're looking for some resources for books, whatever it is, reach out to me, um, and I can help plug you in in whatever way. I'd be happy to do that.
1: You know what? Before we go, there is one last thing I need to say, and you said this at the conference. Um, I loved the fact that you were rather cautious on being able to refer people because wow. this work is so sacred to you and you take it so seriously. I hmm. loved that when someone asked how do you find you know a referral you you basically said, go to the people that you know um, because this is such important work and you've got to be careful who you uh, you know partner with on this type of stuff.
2: Absolutely. You you want to look to somebody who you go, they've done their work. Mm-hmm. I trust them. Who would they refer me to? Um, because this is not like you close you you close your eyes and you just put your finger in a in a phone book, which we don't have anymore. I don't even know what the analogy would be, but you got to be really, really um mindful and careful about who you do your work with. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's so. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Well, Ashley, thank you so much. And this wraps up another episode of Women in Paint. Uh, make sure you follow us on our Facebook page, at Women in Paint. Not you, Ashley, because you do not have Facebook. not be there, but. <laughs> but everyone else. Um, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: PayNet Podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners.